Hi everybody, Tim Kitcher here, the voice of NBA Jam. Welcome to the Backcourt Violation Podcast. You bring the jelly, and they'll bring the jam. Boom shakalaka. You got an angel with you right now. Just got here, and he's gonna help. Kid sees an angel? Yeah, he must. That's the signal. Okay. <laughs> Go get him for the championship. All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Backcourt Violation, the basketball podcast, season two, episode four. We've got a special one today. I'm bringing on a close friend of mine, someone that I've gotten to know throughout the last year, Stephen Gillespie, uh, one of my good draft friends. Please say hello to everyone. Hello to everyone. How's it going, Tyler? (laughs) Thanks for having me on the show, brother. You know, I I wanted to have you on because me and you pretty much talk draft all the time. All the Um, time, dude. You won't leave me alone about it. Pretty much. I won't leave anyone (laughs) alone about it, but... We're getting past the halfway point or, you know, crossing that line in the NBA draft. So I wanted that's to have nuts, you on. by the way. Thanks for just dropping that bomb on me. That's nuts. <laughs> like, I have no idea we're already halfway through. It's flying by. It, it seems like it's going quicker with uh, the amount of fun we're having lately. But um, before we get into some fun stuff we have on the list, I want you to plug away everything, kind of give everyone a little bit of a background because you're you're a grinder in the draft world and I have a lot of respect for the hard work you're putting out so please go go crazy right now this is your moment all right man I'll try not to mess this up and thank you again for the kind words though man I appreciate you letting me be here on backcourt violation and like you said it's been fun getting to know you and you know shout out to the rest of the no ceilings crew that uh, I've had to we're collecting them like infinity stones over at the show that I host called draft capital and uh you know it's podcast that me and president of the network that I work with uh, off the ball network my buddy Chris LeBron and I co-host that show and just like you guys man we're talking basketball all the time we specifically focus on the draft and getting to know fun folks like yourself and the rest of your crew you know we've had a number of folks on already and the the downloads are much too kind I think to my abilities but you know I credit all of that to the incredible guests that I've had on lately and man it's just been a fun time so you know, I'm on Twitter at Stephen G Hoops. That's Stephen with the PH, just like Steph Curry, um, but not said like Steph Curry. We talked about that earlier, Tyler. Um, yeah, Stephen G Hoops on Twitter, and I'm posting clips and stuff all the time. I am a freaking like film junkie. I can't get enough of it. I'm constantly, you know, consuming it and cutting it, editing it, and posting it. And I just posted a a big board on my Substack too that we're going to be talking about here in a little bit too, Tyler. So. You know, go on Substack and look up Stephen Gillespie and you can find me on there as well. Yes. I mean, Stephen's he's a warrior. He's an absolute grinder out there. So if you follow him on social media, go to his Substack, like he's saying, he does some sensational stuff with the draft world. And I'm not just saying that because I have him on the screen and I'm looking at him right now, but he he's a grinder. I appreciate that, man. You are too, man. You motivate, you guys motivate me all the time. Well, Steven kept stealing everyone to come onto his show and he stole (laughs) me too. And then I was like, all right, enough of this. I got to get him on backcourt and have some real fun with him. So, you know, there's no time limit here. Like, no, no time limit. This is, this is the torture chamber. I can't let my hair down here. It's room to play. (laughs) So you released your big board. What was it? Friday or Saturday? Oh man, I don't, it was on the first. So yeah, I released it on the first. Yep. 
It seems like it was three weeks ago. It was literally, you know, yesterday. So yes, <laughs> um, we're recording on Sunday night. It it was awesome. You hit it out of the park like you do with everything. Thank but you. But I thought of a little fun segment that you know at No Ceilings we're we're doing some draft stuff there too, and we're gonna have a little bit of our updated big board segment. A lot of the guys haven't seen mine yet, so. I thought it would be fun if me and you, I haven't even looked at yours entirely or I don't remember the top lottery. I don't so either. I thought it would so be, it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it would be fun if we did, uh, we revealed our lottery and we're going to go 14 to one, one by one. And we could discuss each player. Um, my lottery, I'm, you know, I'm probably going to get some pitchforks for what I have going on with this list right now. But mm-hmm. It's going to be fun. So, I mean, if, if you want to get after it, I'm going to let you do the honors. You get to name your 14th, and then I'm going to name my 14th, and we'll just go one by one. And you can tell me I'm crazy or, you know, I, I understand okay. that. But go ahead. Who, who, do you, who do you got at number 14? Because I looked at your list. I don't remember it heart by heart. I promise. I'm not lying to the listeners. No, that's all good. And, you know, we're all crazy here, Tyler, so don't, worry, <laughs> don't even worry about it. Yeah, so 14, and I'm going to get into a little bit of, I'm probably going to rub people the wrong way, right? Because there are some some do's and don'ts when it comes to allegedly people's draft philosophy and stuff right. like that. And one of these, you know, kind of you're not supposed to do's in the draft world or, or take small players, right? And at 14, I previously had him at number nine on my 1.0, but I promised I didn't bring him down because of his height. That's Kennedy Chandler from Tennessee. Okay. You know, Guard there is a real good table setter, very athletic, quick quick twitch type of uh, guard. Um, he's 19 years old. He's listed, you know, six foot, six one, just depending on wherever you're going. He might even be smaller than that. Who knows? But, you know, I'm a big fan of his game, not only because of his ability to, you know, set up his teammates and things like that, but I love his defense, man. You know, there he just gets up. You know, he's not afraid to challenge shots. He's not afraid to play passing lanes. They don't even always have him as kind of a point of attack defender. Sometimes he kind of guards off ball, which is pretty cool to see someone who's quote unquote small be able to have that versatility on the defensive end. Granted, you know, it's college, so maybe that doesn't necessarily scale up at the next level, but it's still fun to see. You still like to see guys who are able to kind of play different positions and things like that, despite their size. You know, he's his offense, you know, over the last month or so when I you know, drop my one dotto. It's gone down a little bit as far as mm-hmm. efficiency and things like that. But that def- that defensive intensity is actually kicked up. Last month he w- was graded out in the 48th percentile per synergy on the defensive end. He's all the way back up to the 83rd percentile now. So he's he's made a lot of strides on that end. And offensively, even though it's taken a dip, he's still about average to above average, depending on where at on the offensive end that you're evaluating his game. So real big fan of Kennedy Chandler. You know, he's kind of one of these my guys that everybody has in, on their draft, you know, boards and whatnot. Big fan of Kennedy Chandler. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. You know, I'll just go on Kennedy first before I set the world on fire. But Kennedy's one of those guys that I think a lot of people are cooling off on, and I can't get rid of him. I'm right there with you, Steven. I, I just – I like the way he plays. Um, I know we're going to have a little segment later that Steven thought of. This was a great idea, but we're going to call it some draft taboos where it's things you're scared to do or things that people are scared of when evaluating or drafting prospects. And, you know, Steven just hinted on one, which is, you know, the smaller point guards. Now we're getting scared of them. And I understand that with how the NBA is translating. You know, we're getting guys like 
Ben Simmons playing the point or, you know, even LeBron at times. And it's, you know, Kate Cunningham's coming to the league at six, seven as a primary ball handler. Luka Doncic. Luka. I mean, right? we're, yeah. we're, we're all getting scared of these little guys. Like, you know, we're all scared of the Kemba's and stuff. I'm just one of those guys that if you could play, you can play, you yes, know, and, and we'll figure out the rest of it later. And I like the way Kennedy plays. He plays, he's got the lightning quick speed, but he plays really good control. I'm mm -hmm. like you, but you hit it on it perfectly. I, I think the defense really is something that stands out to me that I think, you know, people are talking about it. I don't know if it's getting enough attention though, because if you're going to be undersized and you play with that chip on your shoulder, you're going to catch people's attention. And I really like how Kennedy plays. So I'm right there with you. I had him just outside my updated lottery. How dare but you? I, I still have him right. He's battling to go right back. So I, I hear you. But so you're telling me you can have a guy not in the lottery and still like him at the same time. That's yeah. It's weird how that crazy. works out, you know? <laughs> okay. I, I got, I'm going to start this off with, um, of a tornado siren. I got Jalen Duran at 14. Whoa. Anthony Bennett Whoa. of Toronto. Okay. So I understand everyone's in love with them. I understand. And, and Jalen Duran, if you don't know who he is, you're listening. Welcome to the draft. I, I promise you, you're, <laughs> you're safe here. Jalen Duran's about 6'10, 6'11, looks like the Hulk. Um, a lot of you know, Dwight Howard comparisons in the beginning of the season. I get it. I understand. I saw the last game where he looked a lot better shooting the ball. You know, this was my big boy rankings before that. So I understand everyone that's going to be really excited and think he's a top seven guy or he's a top five guy. Like, I get it. Corey at no ceilings, you know, the draft dude. Shout out. Corey's pretty much gotten in a fight with all of us because uh, he's a big Jalen Duran guy and we – know you have guys you believe in and I'm not saying I don't believe in Duran I just think he's a lottery guy that I don't know if I'm taking him top six top seven now he can work his way back up there but just want to see a little bit more of the season of if the offense comes around what, what do you think what do you think about that well I I mean, I could talk about him now or I could talk about him where I think he should go okay, later. Okay, okay, okay. Well, I mean, um, well, then we can just go to your 13th. How about that? Okay, man. So I, if, if you don't, you can pick who you want to talk about. This isn't, you know, the torture. <laughs> no, this isn't Arkham Asylum, okay? You can pick what you want. Oh, dude, I love We could talk Batman if you want, but, you know, here. Did we just hook everyone and then decide <laughs> to change up and go Batman route? No. Hey, shout out just real quick. I think, uh, Robert Pattinson has the potential to be the best Batman of all time. Just throwing I, that out there if we want to set the world on fire. I could, can't <laughs> wait for that movie. That's it's going to be, so it's going to be so good. But anyway, number 13, you're talking about Arkham Asylum setting the world on fire. The dude that I have in 13, he's starting to trend that way on a lot of boards now. I'm such a big freaking Tory Eason fan, dude, out of LSU. Oh, our boards are going to be nuts. Okay, so tell me about why do you like Tory Eason? Because I can't get on the train yet. Oh, and draft man. Twitter and the draft world are foaming at the mouth. So hit me with your – sell me this pen, as Corey and Albert would say. Sell me this pen, Tory Eason. That's an incredible bit on the draft, actually. I know, it is way. good. But so – so let me ask you this. If I'm selling you something, I'm not just going to like walk up to you and like crazy car salesman. You You're just like, hey, what are you what are you in the market for right now? What what kind of basketball player do you like? 
I just, I, I, all right, let me ask you this. Are you like, here, we'll infomercial this. Are you ready? Yeah. Do you like defense? (laughs) (laughs) Do you like, have to make this a segment. Do you like, (laughs) do you like defense? Do you like really strong basketball players? Do you like freakishly athletic guys who are able to contort their bodies mid shot and finish over the top of somebody? Then we have a player for you. That's Tori Eason out of LSU, man. He is so fun to watch. I think that he's already too strong in the college ranks right now. He gives me like OG Ananobi vibes, man. He's okay. just he's big, he's strong, and he doesn't shoot. Like, here's the thing. The reason he's only 13th for me, he could be higher. The reason he's only 13th for me is because he's only shooting about eight, about 28% from deep. But right now, he's still giving you 16 points per game, seven rebounds, and almost an assist. And he's giving you over three stocks per game coming off of the bench for LSU. What a luxury to have, by the way. But yeah. anyway, I he, he projects that he's going to be able to guard like the two through four and a half range. like So it's like small ball five players, things like that. And I think that he has the potential to get better. He just he gives me like these vibes that we get from, you know, Jimmy Butler's from OG Ananobis, from DeAndre Hunters, you know, these types of defensive guys who work so hard, who are so strong and they're still figuring out their game. That defense is going to be what they rely on. I love the I love to imagine how he projects as being able to play any front court spot as well. And he he has flashes in his game that he's going to be able to be a really good playmaker too so i like tory eason a lot um he's got a teammate that i also have in the first round getting drafted that we're not going to really get into today alex fudge it's really kind of whatever flavor of defender you like you can talk yourself into either one of them but tory eason man he's just he's so strong he's fast he's got functional athleticism he has good body control he's really strong defender man like i, I love tory eason Okay. All right. That was a good sales pitch, car salesman. I appreciate it. <laughs> My dad's a car um, salesman. So. No, I, I, I need. I'm gonna. I'll keep it short with Easton. I just need to watch more of him. Um, he's one of those guys. The first, the first time I watched him, I was like, oh, this is gonna be this guy that I have to watch. You know, every single game to try to convince myself which way I'm leaning. So that's gonna be one of those uh, taking Advil. At, you know, midnight to try to keep watching more Tori Easton film, but I'm intrigued with him. I understand everyone's highs. I understand the lows, but it'll be fascinating. He's not perfect. He's not perfect. He, he doesn't like have great finishing with both hands. He's, he's not a fluid, like offensive play. He's a good finisher, but that's really about it on the offensive end. So like, he's not perfect, but I love him. Well, someone that is perfect is 13th (laughs) on my board. And, he, I'm quickly finding out that I'm going to be probably going to war with everyone in the draft world because I'm going to end up having them higher than most. But I have Trevor Keels at mm. 13. Okay. And this is also someone that I've gone to war with that people at no ceilings. I understand that everyone's quick to point out the, you know, he had the strong opening game. What has he done since then? And I'm like, well, he's done a lot. And it's, it's, you don't need to just chase box scores when you're watching Trevor Keels. I think the guy knows how to play the game the right way. Um, I say he's got like the Marcus Smart factor where it's, you know, he can impact the game without scoring. Like, I obviously, I'd like to see the outside shot come around more consistently, but I just love 
everything he has in his disposal. I think he's a gamer. He's going to bring it every night on both sides of the floor. He's built like a linebacker. I mean, he's just tough. He plays with passion. So I'm, I'm probably going to always have him a little higher than others just because I think when you get to that lottery range, this is the type of guy you would love to, you know, bet on the upside. And he might not be scoring 20 a game as a rookie, but he might come in and, you know, have that Davion Mitchell or the Marcus Smart or just that type of impact where they're going to set the tone. So I'm a big Trevor Keels guy. Yeah, that's fair. I had him on my 1.0. I had him ranked 30th and you know, oh, thanks a lot. Pair, no, go, the pair, show's over. Well, hang on. It gets better. Um, that's 1.0. My 2.0 is a lot different. So previously I had him as the, the last pick in the first round. And even when I wrote it, I was like, this feels wrong for me. It's just kind of where he shook out. He has since gone up to 22. So as you can see, he's kind of garnering more and more favor in my eye. Okay. And I'm going to be completely honest. It's really hard for me to imagine that Duke has five of the 30 best players in the nation on their team. It's just really kind of hard for me to suss out which ones are for real. And Kills does feel for real. You know, over the past month, his scoring has actually gone up. His rebounding and assists have stayed about the same. But his efficiency numbers have tracked upward as well. So you look at offensive percentile on my 1.0 at that time, about a month ago, he was in the 39th. Now he's in the 63rd. If you look in the defensive percentile, he was in the 61st. Now he's in the 66th, so he's getting better yes. as, the, as the season has gone along. And he's doing it on a team where a guy like a Wendell Moore is trending upward. A guy like A.J. Griffin is trending upward. Power, Paolo Boncaro may be one of our number ones, maybe not, but still he's on that team. And Mark Williams, depending on which center you fall in love with, whatever particular game you're watching, he might be a first-round guy, too. So with all these mouths, Kills is actually improving. So respect to you for having the onions to have him in your lottery. I just don't particularly have him there yet, but you never know. He's trending upward already. So Yeah, we'll it's see. okay. People can be wrong. I, I'm, I'm right, but people can be wrong. I was just about to say the same thing to you, so it's <laughs> totally fine. Um, hit me with 12. Who do you got? Hit you with 12. All right, so I know that you and I both love this guy. Um, uh -oh. Previously, he was my tenth best player, and oh, now he's falling. Down? Yeah, he's all the way down to twelve. So I hate his guts today. Um, and he's actually gotten better over the past month. But I think that some guys have just played their way above him, so it's not really necessarily a slight to him. Who it's just that it? guys are getting better. Caleb Houston. I oh, okay. Caleb yeah, Houston. I get this. I understand it. Okay, good. I'm I'm glad that we can still be friends here because. <laughs> He's one of these guys that have actually improved, like I, the aforementioned Trevor Kills, right? He's gotten better over the last month, but I just think that some of these guys have gotten, gotten off to such supernova, you know, hot starts that it's just like, I have to acknowledge, I have to take my bias out of it. Biasly, I would love to have him much more higher, but, you know, right. if I take the rose-colored lens off, I have to put him just a little bit down, but he's still in the lottery, so... He's in a system right now, Tyler. I know that you could talk about this too. They're not necessarily showcasing Caleb Houston. You know, they they got aspirations of winning and winning big. He's filling a role for them. I'm just a big fan of his size at six eight, about two hundred and five, two hundred and ten pounds. He's giving you nine nine points, four boards, over an assist a half. I love, by the way, if we can just pause there. I don't think that his playmaking flashes get enough love because mm -hmm. I've seen him give some 
you know, kind of bending around the elbow and throwing whip passes over his head. These like hook whip passes over his head to the opposite corner. I've seen him do that a time or two. And I just, I'm so intrigued because he gives you those same vibes as dare I say, like a, a clay Thompson where he's not just a shooter, but he can do a little bit more. And that's what I love to see out of a guy like Caleb Houston. Yeah. I, I think you're, you're spot on. I, I, Never thought Caleb was going to be this guy that, you know, another guy we're talking about, like a, a Johnny Davis, where he just comes in and just puts up 20. More on him later. Yeah, more on him later in just a, in just a moment right after these <laughs> short commercials. Um, no, I just never thought that Caleb was going to be this guy that filled up the box scores, especially as a freshman. Now, you know, I thought he was one of those like Michael Bridges type of players that, you know, mm. Bridges still went to you know, back to school for a couple of years. I like Caleb a lot. I, I think you're spot on though. I think a lot of people are going to fall not out of love. I'm all out of love. I, I think people are just going to be like, not thrilled about him. Like evaluators are going to be like, well, he's not really doing much. And you're like, well, he's really good. <laughs> he yeah. plays the game the right way. He's going to be a great pro. So I think that's the right on spot though. I, I think you're not overreacting. That's yeah, some good. freshmen are just in like particularly this year, Tyler. Like some freshmen are just in weird spots where they're yes. not going to be like the featured, you know, asset on their squad. Speaking of more on him later, I have Johnny Davis at twelve. So oh, okay. that worked great. <laughs> um, a lot of people have him higher. I understand everyone. I'm one of these guys that's like just keep proving it to me, and I'm gonna keep moving you up. Um, you know, I think I had him around 25th on my first big board. So I always get a little nervous when I find I'm going to go, I'm going to move someone from 25th to fourth or fifth. Like I'm like, okay, let me pump the brakes a little bit. So I have right. a 12 now. He's bringing back the 1990 mid range game. I have mm. a lot of respect for that. Um, I really like what I've seen from him. I want to watch way more before I start getting them into that top six, seven range. So that's all I got to say about Mr. Johnny D. Um, hit me with well, 11 or right, so, unless you want some Johnny D go ahead. Well, It's actually perfect that you say that because at number 11, I have Jonathan Davis. So oh, wow. We're getting good little, now. Man, if we get the same people, I'm going to be pumped. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But man, Jonathan Davis, a lot of what you said applies. He's giving you about 21 points per game over six rebounds, two and a half assists per game. Oh, and by the way, those numbers have climbed over the past month. Um, about 44% from the floor that has gone up only 34% from deep. So he's got to get that number up there. I'm obviously a little tongue in cheek with that. He's doing it on really good volume, by the way. Um, one and a half steals per game, almost a block per game, offensive percentile, 72nd defensive percentile in the 80th. So, I mean, this guy is giving you everything that you want. He give he has such a mature game. You touched on that mid range aspect. Dare I say Brandon Roy esque in that aspect? Oh, that it's just is like, nice. He gives me such like such <laughs> such feelings for his game that I had with Brandon Roy because he, he has a handle. He kind of lulls you into to sleep a little bit and then rises up and just shoots it right over the top of you, particularly from that mid range game. So he's a little bit shorter. He's only you know six five, but he he has such a mature game. I, I I'm like you. I only had him 44th on my last board. So 
I'm still giving him love by j- letting him jump 33 spots, but <laughs> maybe he continues to work his way up into my top 10. He's knocking on the door already. No, I, I hear I completely hear you. I, I think that makes sense. Um, it's just, it's just one of those things. I never want to be like the guy that all of a sudden, you know, everyone's talking about one name and I'm like, Oh, I got to move him fifth. I'm like, no, yeah. let me just, I'll move him up if he deserves, but simmer down. It's okay. We, we got time. Down. It's only uh, January. I got Keegan Murray at 11. Oh, okay. Iowa. okay. Um, I'm becoming a little bit bigger of a fan than I thought I was going to be. Um, he's just been one of the, you know, kind of a power forward, little six, eight, big boy. If you don't watch Keegan Murray, he's putting up freakish numbers. I just, every time I watch him, I, I find something new that I'm intrigued of, or he impresses me in a different way. And those are usually the guys that if you keep doing that throughout the process, I fall more in love with you. And then I kind of be like, okay, I, I'm a believer. Let's, let's do this. So I don't know. Um, I've asked around a little bit too. So people like him a lot, which was interesting for me to hear. Cause I thought this was going to be a guy that people weren't sold on. And I think mm-hmm. now the more you watch him, the more you're getting convinced. So that's all I got to say about Keegan right now. So I like Keegan Murray a lot. Um, on my one dotto, I had him 28th and I thought okay. I was going to be higher than the consensus because kind of like you, I'm like, okay, I feel this guy, but I don't think everyone else is. Well, people had him significantly higher. Now on my 2.0, I have him at 16. And kind of weirdly enough, he's kind of being billed as like this mid-major killer, but against top-notch competition, he's not. If you take away the Iowa State game, and I know you can't just throw out one game, but like theoretically, if you can, he where he only scored nine points on about 23% shooting. He also he had an played off night. For, yeah, he had an off night, which, you know, it happens, strangely enough. But if you look at the other games that he played against really good competition, one of those games is Virginia. Forgive me, I'm blanking on the other game. He still scored like 18 and 19 points. So that one Iowa State game really skews his numbers against you know the three real teams, quote-unquote, that he's faced. Outside of that Iowa State game, he's still been good, just not bonkers like he has been in other games. I think at one point he's had like a 50 PER, which I don't know if that's even able to be calculated out, but he somehow did it. Um, I'm a yeah. big fan of his game, though, but I have him at 16. Again, he, he's risen for me. There are some concerns about the handle, um, how efficient that outside shot looks. A little bit concerning for me, but he's very versatile, and I, I think that the defense, it doesn't reflect well on synergy sometimes. We've talked about this before, Tyler. Sometimes the good old eye test is all you need sometimes yes. because I think that he's significantly better than being in the ninth percentile defensively. That does not make sense to me. Yeah, and I also think you got to play in your role. Um, he's kind of the the engine behind that Iowa team. They got a couple nice pieces, but they're they're feeding them. So I understand like he's not a killer defensively, but I do think he could hold his own. And I'm like you, the ninth ninth percentile. I don't. It doesn't scream a guy in the percent when I've watched him so far. So I'll trust my eyes with that. But that's also something to monitor moving forward. Just a data um, point. All right, the top ten, we're getting juicy. Who do, yeah. who do you got for me? The aforementioned Jalen Duran previously had him number eighth on my one auto. He's I moving down. I'm telling everyone's going to move him down. I'm telling it. I'm jumping he, on it. Again, I don't think that he's that bad of a player. I can't I move either. her. I don't think – well, I know. I mean – 
I, I'm not saying that you think that he's a terrible player. I'm just saying that because I moved him down, it's more so an acknowledgement of the accomplishments of some other guys, right? But yes. Duran's in a weird spot, and I'm sure this isn't going to be the first place that other people have heard this, but he doesn't have like a traditional point guard or a table setter on his team. You know, Imani Bates at point hasn't worked out. He's even been bent, like come off the bench at certain points during the season, which is really weird, but it is what it is. And I mean, Duran really isn't doing anything to hurt his own stock. It's more so the environment that he's in. I'm I'm a big fan of his playmaking, though, Tyler. I don't think that that gets discussed enough. I, I clipped one video where he gets the ball, I think, on the left block, and he notices that he has a teammate open on the right wing. So he kind of shimmies to the right, cuts left, tiptoes around the baseline, and throws a wraparound pass to the teammate open on the right wing. Now, the teammate missed it, which, again, is a another thing that Duran has to worry about. He doesn't have point guard, and guys can't finish on this team. So he's in a funky spot, but there are enough flashes to where I think he might even be able to outplay my tenth spot that I have him at. Yeah, I think the passing is definitely starting to show flashes, and you're spot on with there's guys, just because I'm moving him down doesn't mean he's bad. It just means that there's so many guys playing good that are moving above him. So I'm a big believer that it's just going to take some time with him. He's showing the right flashes. The playmaking, like you said, it's been fantastic. Um, I definitely think he could climb again. Like, you know, that's the type of late stretch run that all of a sudden teams are like, "Uh uh-oh, here's the stretch where he's showing us all the tools. Because I think you're seeing more of the confidence building. Um, that last game, I think, I don't know who they played. Was it against Pitt or someone? Or the He was showing his outside shot a bunch. He hit like yeah. three or four jumpers or something. Yeah, I don't know if it was Pitt. I'm trying to pull a team I, out of my... I can't remember. I've looked I at so either. much film lately. I, yeah, it's, they all it's blur. All blur. Yeah. They all blur to me. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's not like I think bad of Duran. Um, I have Caleb Houston at 10, so we okay. don't have to talk it too in detail. Now we're going to have repeaters. So why don't we just... You know, like I said before, I believe in Caleb Houston. I think this might be my last big board where, like, I'm going to keep him in my top 10 maybe until he moves down. And then probably towards the end of the year, I'll somehow sneak him up like five spots without anyone noticing. Um, ninth, hit me. Who do you got? Um, Patrick Baldwin Jr. I, oh, I, okay. I, All right. I, can't, I can't keep him out of my top 10. And on my one, or excuse me, on my two auto, I said here that from what I've seen from him before, the teammates that he has and his measurables, it makes it almost impossible for me to keep him out of my top 10. He's just in a he's in a bad spot. I talked about Duran. This is even worse. Like, And you can knock him however you want for having to live with his own decision by playing with his dad. I, everyone talks about that. It's, he's a kid, you know, like people make mistakes. I, I've made them, believe it or not, but... I think, you know, if you look at his game, how it's improved over the past month, he's done so efficiently. His three-point percentage was at 25 on my 1.0. It's now almost at 33. So the shot's starting to fall. And at his size, the way that he moves, you can just fall in love with how aesthetically pleasing his game is from outside and the ability to handle. He can play maybe one or excuse me, three through five. Gives you some defensive versatility. I, it's impossible for me, man, for not to see a world where he just plays better at the next level in college. We, we see that all the time. I mean, Cole Anthony is one example. 
you know, Jaden McDaniel is another example from out of Washington where just sometimes people make a bad a bad move to go play in a bad situation. They get they get punished from where they're drafted and then they go outplay their draft stock, right? So I think Patrick Baldwin Jr. is right in line with those mold of player. Yeah, I weirdly kind of love that he's still made that decision because I think he's getting punched in the mouth and he's going to learn a lot about himself in this year. And mm-hmm. he's one of those guys that could have pre-draft workouts and light the gym absolutely on fire and mm-hmm. all of a sudden become a hot name coming around the draft. I, I think when I've watched him, I understand everyone's going to be nervous because of the you know the numbers if you want to chase that just because of, like you're saying, that team struggles and they've been overpowered in a lot of games. But I've, I've come away impressed with his playmaking more than his shooting at times, which is something I wasn't expecting. I was expecting just to be in awe of his shot creation or, you know what I'm trying to say, like his range yeah. and size. But there's really some feel and some vision that in his game that I, I've been fascinated with. So I'm like you. I can't have him out of my top ten. Um, and I think one thing that scouts are noticing just real quick, Tyler, is that something that I pointed to on my 1.0 is like the effort level and – how it's not always there and they question his motor and things like that, which at first bothered me. But since I've watched more and more games of Milwaukee, I'm like, I kind of understand, you know, it's yeah. hard to go like, and, and you can ask for more and more and more. And that's fine. If you have that expectation, you can pick them wherever you want. I'm just, I'm starting to understand like why he's not at a hundred miles an hour all the time on this team. Right. Right. And if, I mean, it's easy to criticize when we're not in the situation or when someone else isn't in it. But I mean, if you're in a boxing ring and you're getting punched in the mouth every night and you know, you can't punch back, it's, it gets old after a while. So I understand. Um, number nine hit me. We're getting We're getting to the juice now. That was my number nine. That was, that was your nine. nine. I'm sorry. Yep. I'm AJ Griffin. I'm AJ Griffin. I'm still okay. believing. In the words of Journey, don't stop believing, and I'm still there. I think I love Journey. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, I love every classic rock because everyone makes fun of me that I'm like way too old with my music taste. But um, I'm just not giving up hope on AJ Griffin. Um, I had him in my lottery on my 1.0. I think the confidence and the knees are starting to come around. And and Mm -hmm. if you don't know about AJ Griffin, he got hurt in the preseason in practice. They've been kind of easing him back. People have been going, what the heck's going on? Why aren't they playing him more? And now it seems like he's playing so good. They can't keep him off the court at times. Like they Mm -hmm. have to let pretty much the animal run wild. So I'm intrigued. I, I want to keep believing because I really do think this is a top 10 talent. If, you know, he's healthy, he gets a, you know, green light on the medicals because that'll be very, very important for him when draft comes around. But, um, yeah, that, that's where I'm at. What are that's you, what fair. are you thinking about AJ or do you want to go? Oh, we'll go to eight. We'll go to eight. You don't have to. I want to save AJ because as much as okay. you believe in him, I might believe in him a little bit more. Than right. <laughs> Hit me with eight. So number eight, previously ranked number six on my 1.0 iteration is Kendall Brown. Uh, everybody okay. loves him. He's like the the draft Twitter darling. That's really hard yeah. to say fast, so I had to slow it down. Um, he 
he's fascinating and uh, you did a great job of breaking him down on your prospect video i'm a big fan of that project by the way thank you um the reason that he's fallen down is because he doesn't have what i'm gonna refer to moving forward as traditional shot creation ability you know he's he's not one of these break you down on the dribble i will acknowledge though that his off ball movement should start counting as shot creation and yes. shot creation ability. It's just not, you know, the traditional break you down off the dribble, right? Um, the shooting kind of has a little bit of a false bottom to it because he's gone all the way down from a ridiculous 67% um, a month ago all the way down to a 50%. And I know that yeah. 50% is still good, but it's just an indication that volume isn't necessarily the thing that he's relying on there. You know, it's sh shot selection is key with him. But that defense is there, man. I mean, he's giving you 1.2 steals per game. That's not indicative of how how much of a, a monster he is on that end, though. And just his playmaking, I think that that's starting to come around a little bit, too. Um, he's just fun to watch, man. Super bouncy, athletic. I think that he is a, a what Nathan Grubel refers to as a you know a 30 team starter. I don't I don't know if there's a single team that you that he would not find a way to be in a starting rotation on. Yeah, don't don't call Nathan smart on my show. We can't let his <laughs> head get any bigger than it. I'm kidding, Nathan. Um, I think why I love Kendall Brown so much is because it's like my personal battle with the type of player teams should select earlier than they do. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Like, like you're saying, yeah, he doesn't have that shot creation ability right now, but... Kendall's one of those glue guys that you just add to the puzzle. Like that's the missing piece to finish your puzzle that just helps everyone be better because of his off ball movement, his ability to read the floor, his awareness. I think that's the guy that deserves to go earlier. Like lottery teams that are in the lottery every year should be taking Kendall Brown so they could try mm -hmm. to get out of the lottery. So I, I understand what you're saying because I think – other people are going to get more intrigued with some guys ahead of them. Like we're going to probably talk about because they're the more flashy, like sexy potential franchise swings. But I do think Kendall's going to be an important piece. And I think whoever's going to get him, it's going to be a, a fun addition. Um, okay. We're at eight. Yeah. Eight for you. Yes, sir. All right. I have Patrick Baldwin. So we were, okay. we're, we're close. We're, we're right there. And I'm like you, I can't get over it. We talked about him. Um, Seven hit me with it. Okay, so we'll go to seven, and then we'll do a quick review, and I'll go back and run back. But seventh, who do you have? Don't hate me because I know that you're still super high on this guy. Oh no! But I, I had to take him down. He was no. previously he was previously Everyone's number four. <laughs> he's he's still at seven. It's not a. It's really not that bad. Okay, Jaden Hardy. Oh okay. god! I have to. I have to. <laughs> Go with what it. my eyes are telling me. I know you did a great job having, you know, Kyle Nishimoto on and he laid it out beautifully, you know, that he's being put in positions to where they're going to make him uncomfortable. And I get it, but he looks uncomfortable, you know, yes. so I have I have to acknowledge the fact that it's it, he's still figuring it out. And I will give him credit that the points per game have gone up over the last month. His field goal percentage, his three-point percentage, his steals have all gone up. That's beautiful. I just think that some guys have outplayed 
where I originally had him projected right now. And, and, and that's really it. I don't think I'm not not a believer in him. And he has the potential to climb right back up because he has a skill set that if it hits, it's one of the hardest to find in the entire league. Right. Like he has just he has a beautiful game when it's hitting. And, you know, does he have an elite handle? Still kind of hard for me to evaluate whether or not he has an elite handle. The efficiency, it is what it is. But I was a big, you know, Jalen Green guy last year. So I think that as the season goes on, he'll figure it out. And as we've seen over the last month, it's trending that direction. Just as of right now in January, he's only at number seven, but has the potential to climb right back up there. I think you're, I was giving you a hard time. I think you're absolutely spot on. I also think me and you might be the last two people on earth that end up having him in the top 10 because I feel like everyone's jumping ship right away. I've heard a board recently. I'm not going to name the name, but I heard a board recently, the audio version that did not have him at all. And it blew my mind. In the top 30? In the top 30. Didn't have him at all. Not even playing. Busted for using weed. Not going to name the name because I listen to the show. I'm a fan of the show fan of the show didn't hear his name dropped at all maybe i could be wrong but i'm seeing him he's falling a lot dude like as much as i have him dropping three positions on my board he is free falling like steadily free falling some mainstream had him like 18th i was like what is going on i i understand everyone's freaking out but aj griffin was like 44th i think on one like really like prominent (laughs) <laughs> platform yes. and he he's starting is to come up back there up, on yeah. one of them too i get it i understand uh you still know, number seven pod- for me tyler i did the pod with kyle i don't want to go everyone knows how i feel about hardy i'm not worried about it i do think so i'm going to cut this short i do think it's a very big you know they just postponed their or suspended their season a little bit P- mm-hmm. postponed i think was the correct terminology yeah. but it's going to be a big second half of the year because he was starting to take some strides with the percentages. Everything was starting to come around. Had a little bit of a rough showcase. I'm not sold on the handles. I do think he has improved drastically from his first couple of games. So Absolutely. We'll see. We're at seven. Yes? Yeah. Okay. I just, he was my number seven. Uh, and my seventh, Kendall Brown. So we're, we're okay. right there. We have the right mix of guys. So I had... Jalen Duran at 14, Trevor Keels, Johnny Davis, Keegan Murray, Caleb Houston, AJ Griffin, Patrick Baldwin, Kendall Brown. Who who did you, what was your 14 to 7? 14 through 7, I had Kennedy Chandler, Tori Eason, okay. Caleb Houston, Jonathan Davis, Jalen Duran, Patrick Baldwin Jr., Kendall Brown, Jaden Hardy. Okay, so almost as good as mine, so we'll give you a gold star. But, but better. But better. <laughs> um, Did I start right. on Tori Eason? By the way, are you are you are you interested? I'm not there yet. I'm oh, not. I'm on. not a. You, I'm on. not a guy that jumps on everyone's. Ba- I, I, I like to go against everyone, and then okay. I like to sell myself on. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm the Joker. I like to okay. introduce chaos. It's the all Joker part of the plan. Every once in a while, that's fine. I'm like a dog chasing <laughs> mailman. I want to know what to do. Never start uh, with the head. Things start getting fuzzy after that, right? <laughs> okay, now we're going to get crazy. Um, all right, hit me with your sex. Who do you got? As much as I might have hurt your heart with my hearty take, how much more do you love me for having A.J. Griffin number six right now? Whoa! How much more do you love me for having A.J. Griffin number six right now? 
And I promised he, everyone I did not look at, I did not remember your big board. I looked through it quick. I was like probably doing some film crap and I was like, oh gosh, I, I understand I it, it later. It's a little bit Six? of a read there. No, yeah. I love that. No, there's, there's graphics, there's, there's videos, there's percentages, like everything that you want in the big board, it's there. But my, my problem Gr is when I want to, oh, hold on, before you go. No, please. Because I'm not lying to you. My problem with when I could tell someone puts their heart and soul in it, I don't want to glance at it. So what I literally do is just put it on my browser on my phone and I'm like, yep, I'm reading that later. Like, so no, I promise. I'm going to, I appreciate I, it. I appreciate yes. it. It doesn't, my heart, my heart will go on, but, but you know, then we AJ talked about doing, we talked about doing this <laughs> pod and I didn't want to read your big board because I wanted to save it for later. I'm enjoying the live reaction. Cause I had no <laughs> idea what your board is. Like I didn't even get like a, a, a glance or nothing. So I'm learning this as the audience is, which is a lot of fun by the oh, way. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to change this probably before the morning. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Dude, I'm go messing ahead. my big right, board AJ every Griffin, day. Hit me. AJ hit me. Griffin. He has, the, and listen, the counting stats aren't sexy. He's giving you almost seven points per game, two and a half rebounds per game, just under an assist per game. That's not sexy, right? But we all know the story, right? That he's come back like significantly quicker than what I think 99% of everybody else thought. Right. Um, Duke is playing for something and inserting yes. a guy who is coming off multiple lower body injuries quickly and just handing them the keys probably is that the move for coach case for world tour right like we want to see him right off into the sunset he's nursing aj griffin along we mentioned that several boards have had him knocked down like out of the first round i held on to him i previously had him 12th right so based on the recent play and who he was billed to be coming into the season as a top five guy i'm still holding on at 2.0 tyler i'm still holding on a little bit to preseason expectations. Yeah. By 3.0, I feel like I'm going to be like, okay, guy, I'm sorry. I, I love you, but I have to slide you back a little bit. Or, okay, guy, you're doing enough for me to acknowledge the fact that you do deserve, in fact, to come up on my board for 3.0. That's where I'm living at right now. AJ Griffin showing me enough to climb up six spots right now. Um, I, I'm loving the comeback story. I think that is beautiful. He's an explosive wing, can play either the two or the three, very versatile defender. He's in the 99th percentile offensively per synergy. That's ridiculous, right? That's um, good. For yeah, you. I think that that's good. Being 99th percentile at anything is uh, pretty pretty awesome. And in high school, he was a really good three-point shooter. He's shooting almost 45% from deep right now, and he's shooting about 55% from the floor. Again, it's really hard to, to look at the volume of his attempts and things like that, but his minutes are ramping up and his efficiency is actually getting better with more minutes and more responsibility. That's what you like to see from a guy who was billed to be a top five player from preseason. Yeah. I feel like if, if coach K has been hustling all of us and just, you know, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, mm -hmm. He, you know, he's just basically been slowly waiting to unleash the beast I'll probably take back everything I've ever said about Coach K in a negative way, but I, I'm you're spot on. Like this was a top seven potential pick before the season started. He got hurt. He's been slowly coming back, and he played the first game. No one was expecting it. I, I I'm a big believer still. I I think this could be a guy that if he has one big game, we all might be like, oh my gosh, it's time. It's it's happening. So. Tyler, let I me just it. throw this in there too. In his last four games, um, at, at the time that I dropped my big board, 
He's averaged 12 points per game while shooting over 65% from the floor. It's it's your you said it exactly the perfect way. It seems the more he gets looks and touches, the the better he's playing. It, it seems just the confidence is overflowing lately. So I love it. I, I'm liking your big board so far. Um, I appreciate it. I have Benedict Matherin at six. Okay. I'm I'm uh I'm a believer, and I wanted to move him up. I looked at my board right before, as we started hit the record button, and I said, I already want to make two changes. So, spoiler alert to everyone listening, that might be one of the changes. I just have been so impressed. That's going to be my next prospect video for all of you guys that have listened and seen my first Kendall Brown one. I've been so impressed watching Can't him. Can't wait Let's, for that. Yeah, I, I, thank you. I appreciate it. Those are not... Uh, those are not easy they're very fun but they're not easy but um i just i want to keep moving them up and every time i watch them i'm like this is a really serious piece for an nba team like whoever gets him i think he plays the game the right way he's he's tough as nails he's feisty um there was an area of his game that I was very surprised that impressed me that I'm going to talk about a lot in my prospect video. So yeah, I, I'm a Matherin fan. I don't want to spoil too much because I have a midterm coming out about him and the prospect, but go ahead. Go, go, go wild, Steven. I don't, well, at number I don't five, <laughs> at number five, I have been in Matherin. Okay, yeah, have, we're on the right train. Five. Man, we're, we're, we're clicking, man. We're clicking. We're clicking. We're clicking. Um, you know, six seven. I've I've seen different measurements though, man. Like I have him um, six seven. I've seen him listed around six four and six five at some other places too. So I don't really know which one to believe. But basically, he's just a wing player, right? Um, really good shooter. As and as a matter of fact, over the last month from one to two he's gone from a thirty one percent three point shooter to almost a thirty eight. That's phenomenal. That's and that that was league. one of my biggest concerns with him. I had him twenty second. On my 1.0, and kind of funnily enough, you know, Albert from the Draft Act podcast, we had him on our show, and we were talking about sophomores, and we got to Benedict Matherin before we even recorded. This is kind of like behind the scenes stuff. We both were kind of like, I don't know if I'm gonna believe in how Benedict Matherin plays this year. You're we, big we just polite to Albert because I know Albert hate could not not hated. Albert doesn't hate anyone, but Albert was not a fan, and I was basically like. Me and Wasn't Albert either. are going to go to war at the end of the year. Albert kept calling him Shumpert, and I was like, I'm going to lose <laughs> he said He said that on the show. He said that <laughs> on the show. But the thing was is that when we were talking about you know him coming on the show, we were saying that, and then I started getting into the film on him. And, and even before we launched the show, I hit Albert up. I was like, I don't know, man. Like This guy <laughs> might be the real deal. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I'm going to probably eat my words and I, I can yeah. be happily wrong when a guy like turns it around from my initial thoughts on him. And that's what he's done so far, man. He's, he's a pretty good defender and over and since my um, 1.0 big board, he's had four games in which he's had 20 or more points and out of the, and that's out of six games. The other two, he still scored more than 10 points on 45% shooting from the floor. So those are his bad games right now and right. they're still all right. Yeah, I think he's checking a lot of boxes and areas. I was expecting him to be this good shooter that I was going to get intrigued, like the rest of the game coming around. And the more you watch him, just the more 
stands out. Like some of the passes he makes, the decision making, the defensive ability. He just does a lot of stuff. And He's when you gamer, start watching man. everyone and you you put his, you know, his slate or his resume with everybody else's on tape, um, you start trending him towards the top. And I, I really do think he's going to be like a top seven guy at the end of the year. If he, you know, Arizona has a run and he keeps playing like this, I even think he could be a top five guy. I, I think he's trending that way. So he's the reason why I don't have Hardy in my top five is just because right. this guy is an electric explosive scorer. It's hard to keep him out. Yeah. And he, he, and that's what you get when you go through the draft process is you keep just measuring one by one. And right now mm-hmm. I'm doing the same thing with Matherin where I'm still a believer in Hardy, but that was my debate was like, okay, like I could move him above. Um, funny thing that you, before we move on, the funny thing you said about Matherin with its height. Um, our, my buddy, your buddy, I know too, Simon reached out to me once. He's like, I, I'm not convinced Matherin's so big. And uh, Nathan, we were talking like back and forth, the three of us. And Nathan was like, well, that's because Arizona's lineup's so big. So he looks small. <laughs> And I was like, that's a really good point because their centers are both, you know, almost seven footers. They're huge everywhere else. But um, I also, I'm just, I love Matherin. I don't want to talk about him too long. Um, Okay. (laughs) Number five. Who do you got for me? Or no, that was your five. That was my number five. I'm really good at being behind. I always think I'm the one that's moving the spot. I'm going to move my mouse. Number five, I have Jaden Hardy, who's becoming my prodigal son. I can't give up on him. Um, I'm not going to go too much in detail because we already talked about him. Number four, okay. we're getting real. We are. And this is the drum roll season. The The last sentence I have for him that says, and this is on my 2.0, the last sentence I have for him is that if he could continue to improve and play the way that he is, he could be crashing mini boards in the top three, maybe even mine. And Did we just he, get the same person? He's knocking. He's like right there. Here, here's here's Ivy, dude. Like Ivy yes. is number four for me. I I apply to anyone who has bigger onions than me to put them in their top three because I just think like right now it's almost like a you're not supposed to right now. Like yes. I don't want to be rude and put him in the top three right now, but he's right there. He's there. He's three B right now to me. Um. Just an electric guy. He's proving people that hey, a sophomore season doesn't have to be a curse. You know, he's he's answering all the questions I think right now that people have had for him coming into the season. The one thing that I think people are still knocking against him right now is finishing with both hands, um, which he can still do that. He's already done everything else. His his three point percentage on my one dot at the time he was shooting forty three percent. That's actually ridiculously gone up to forty five. He's shooting 43% from the floor. He's giving you almost 17 points per game, five boards, over three assists. He's in the 87th percentile offensively. He is an athletic freak of nature. He's like starting to give you chase down blocks on a consistent basis, which is frightening for anybody. Um, he's a scary player to me, man. Like I get intimidated watching him play basketball, and I think that he might be messing up big boards down the line. He, I have him at four two. Um, shout out to us being geniuses. I think he's not <laughs> yes. just knocking on the door of the top three. I think he's got a battering ram. And mm. if he keeps playing like this, like 
I've I've been doing those midterms videos that you on posting them on our YouTube channel at No Ceilings TV, and those are the last the first four guys I watched. I watched all those guys put their midseason highlights together, and I swear when I got to Ivy, I was like, he's a top three guy, and. My problem is, is I'm trying to figure out who I'm moving out because I really like the three ahead of them. And yeah. I think the next guy on my big board is the one guy I think he can knock out. And I think that's going to be a little spicy. I've kind of hinted to you about it before, but it's just one of those factors. I think he's job ja Morant's evil twin. Like when mm. I watch him on the court, he is just a demon and he gets some like defensive re- rebounds and is just like turbo speed and then throwing down monster slam. You're like, Oh my gosh, like get the children out of the room, put everyone to bed. <laughs> it's just crazy. So I, I love how he plays. The outside shot is taking a leap and it's more confident. Like I'm not worried. People get really worried about the, the fundamentals with guys shots. Like if you're putting up high numbers and it works and you're creating separation, I'm going to be fine with your form. Like people were terrified of Tyrese Halliburton's shot. And I was like, the dude's lethal. He's putting up historic numbers. Can we calm down about the fact that he shoots like Bob Cousy? Like funnily I, enough, I had Halliburton fourth on my, on my final big board before that draft. So, I mean, that's, that's crazy that you said that. It's one of my favorite guys of all time. Our evaluations of all time was Halliburton. Um, He's the fun player, man. But yeah, Ivy's scary, man. I just, He's, I like I said, I don't want to be rude and kick someone out too too soon. Like I'm gonna give them, you know, their two weeks notice almost, and, and just yes. say, all right, you got to go find somewhere else to live now because Ivy's <laughs> taking your room. That is, I think I'm giving a two weeks notice to my my number three guy. So go ahead, go ahead. Who you got three? Because I feel like we're gonna be getting pretty similar here. This is where, man. Like I, it depends on what mood I'm in every day for who yes. I have two and three. I. And even my number one is is a new guy, but mm. I feel bad saying this, but Chet Holmgren for me is number three. Oh, and you it's, son of a! No, I I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's I, I, um. Talk it's, to me. It's, Why? Why are you nervous? It's not the size, and I even wrote about this on That's my. What the girls um, say it's not the size. It's not the size, and it's not you. It's me. Um, I. It's really not his frame. And I even wrote in my big board um, 2.0 that I'm glad that the conversation is steering away from him being skinny because now people are actually talking about how good at basketball he is. And they're noticing the on defense how he puts a hip on someone and he throws off their rhythm. It's very smart, you know. And I, you know, I affectionately refer to him as a Venus flytrap because people look at him and they say, okay, like this is a safe place to land. I'm okay, you know, parking here. And more often than not, when they back him down and they put up their shot, he's either absorbing it in his armpit or he's turning around dribbling, either pulling up for a three or setting up a teammate because he's a good passer too. The thing is, is that at least right now, and this could change, and I know the guy that you have, number three, I have a little bit higher, obviously, because we haven't brought him up yet. He could end up falling down for me too. Like None of these guys are perfect players, and that's what makes this discussion fun. But Chet, to me, today, if you're asking me today, which you are, I think that he has the safest skill set right now because he's good at everything else. I just believe, again, today, 
that the ceiling for the other two guys are a little bit higher, but I'm even starting to doubt that now myself. It's just at some point I had to put an expiration date on when to release 2.0. Come 3.0, I already have a feeling it's going to be completely different. Yeah, I, you know, we can we can pretty much reveal the three names that are left because yeah, we're both it's not a secret at board. this point. So, yeah. um, I have Paulo at three, and this is the first time I've moved him down, and I think it is the side of the bed you wake up on each day. Whatever one it is, is your top three. Because what's so fascinating with Paulo, Jabari Smith, and Chad Holmgren is I think we haven't really seen a debate like this in a really long time. And mm-hmm. it's one lethal defensive prospect, one lethal offensive prospect, and one guy that you're thinking oh, might have terrifying upside with both sides. And that's why I get when everyone's like, okay, well, I don't know about Chet. And it's like, I get it because you're thinking, is the offense going to come around? Is he just going to be this good defender that's skinny? I, I understand exactly what you're saying. Um, I have Paulo at three. Um, and, you know, I, I Paulo's weird to me because I watch him offensively. And I know me and you were going to talk about that. Or we can just talk about it now if you want. I don't care. Work to do it, man. That's fine. Right. That's fine. We can get into so, it. So, Paulo looks like a lot of former Duke guys. Um, and, uh, and excuse me, Paul looks like one former Syracuse guy mm-hmm. that a lot of people are going to compare it to in Carmelo Anthony. And, and right, you pro- so, like, you see it. You it's, see it. it. He plays yep. the same way. He's that offensive forward that could sp- space the floor. He's got, you know, elbow extended. You feed him at the elbow. You let him go to work. He's got some flashes of freakishly good footwork with some of the hesitations and stuff, step-throughs. But you brought up another name, and we're just going to kind of, because we both know who the top three is, we'll kind of just mix these segments together. So you brought up another name that was really fascinating to me, and I wanted to talk about it on this. So the floor is yours. Well, I wish I I could be the the guy who said said this first and this be groundbreaking (laughs) news. But, of course, Chad Ford, shout out to Chad. He's one of the best out there. He didn't say it, but executives are saying it to him, which makes me feel better about my stance, yes. is that Jabari Parker at his time, right, pre-injury Jabari Parker, by the way, I'm not talking about Atlanta and, and Sacramento. I'm talking about pre-injury at Duke and into Milwaukee, Jabari Parker and Paolo Boncaro have so many similarities that it's scary. I mean, you're talking about two guys that are just absolute physical specimens, you know, Jabari's a little bit shorter, right? About 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, Paolo's about 6'9", six, 6'10". Six, They're both just really functional athletes, really strong. They play bully ball, that elbow in that you were discussing. There's the talk about how good they are on the defensive end, and there's the talk of, you know, they show flashes of good playmaking ability, but they're both really finishers around the rim. And I just think that those similarities are so scary because... You know, we, we all know what happened with Jabari, right? Like the multiple lower body injuries. And I'm not saying that because I'm comparing these guys that that's what's going to happen with Paolo Boncaro, obviously. It's just that with Paolo Boncaro, we might actually see Jabari Parker actualized potential. You know, right. that makes sense, right? Like we could see 
who Jabari Parker was supposed to be. And I mean, in Milwaukee, I mean, this dude was a 20 point per game score. He's freaking scary, right? Could play multiple positions. The jump shot is kind of there. It's just average, right? Like there's nothing that's going to blow you away about him as a shooter, just like Jabari Parker. So I just thought that that those two being compared isn't happening enough because obviously now with what we've seen from Jabari Parker, it's not going to get you drafted number one overall, right? Like Carmelo Anthony comparison might get you number one overall, but it's just a weird similarity that I saw and I, I thought it would be cool to talk about, man. No, I, I, I think you're spot on with that. Um, Cause it's really fascinating when you go back and look at the numbers, you compare them kind of where they're at right now. They play the same way. Like, and people forget Jabari at Duke was, you know, sort of a possessed monster. He kind of He's flew all over the place. Yeah. He, he was, he was really athletic. It got flying in a hurry. And there's a reason he was one of the top picks in the draft because he had that athleticism. And unfortunately his knees just kind of shattered over the years, but he's still hooping right now. So, I mean, I do think that there's potential that maybe that, like you said, it is the Jabari healthy Jabari Parker. We're going to mm-hmm. see that is all of a sudden two inches taller, but you know, the fact that I have Paulo's third, is it bad? It's just one of those. I think you're leaning on him. It's going to be draft dependent our sure. fit dependent excuse excuse me the draft always is if a team's looking for an offensive addition that could potentially slide alongside like a if the pistons drafted him to play alongside isaiah stewart and play with kate cunningham and have a little one two you know that makes sense to me but then you talk about the other guys it's just going to depend on where they end up so um who do you have it to well i mean it's paulo it's Paolo. Okay, and, so you and, have it too. How much more similarities do you need than another Duke guy being drafted second overall than you right, know, right, Jabari right. and Paolo, right? So he, right. he's my number two guy. So you have Jabari one. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I I I have Jabari two. That's where and I had him took, on my Wandato. Yes. And it it took me it took me a lot to move him up ahead of Paolo. But can I, I ask? Watched, can I ask why you felt comfortable moving ahead of Paulo? Because that's what I did on my one I had Paulo number one, and then I moved Jabari up. Well, so I did this on purpose because so I did all those film edits and I pretty much just watched. Like I wanted to watch all four of them in a like string of nights mm-hmm. because I wanted it to be fresh in my mind. So I was just like, I'm just gonna who jumps at me. Like, I'm going to rank that at jumps at me. And then when it came to the jump factor, I was like, Jabari jumped at me way more than Paulo. And it wasn't just, like, the three-point shooting. I'm just talking about Jabari with his quickness defensively, his feet, his mobility. Mm-hmm. Like, the tools on both sides look like they have so much more room to grow. Paulo is just a force offensively. I get it. Um, if anyone wanted to draft him early, I, I completely understand. I think there's more defensive potential that is scratching the surface with Paulo. I think it's just going to take some time to come around because, like, he still has the athletic ability to where he might get out of position, but he understands how to quickly react and make up for stuff. But, you know, and then Chet, I really do think. I think Chet is just 
you're going to have to be pretty convinced. And if you're convinced and he, he pans out, like, I just love everything I've seen from Chet. I, I really do think that could be Evan Mobley again. I, I think okay. he's not as quick as Mobley is because I agree. People were people were giving Mobley like a hard time being like, oh, he's skinny, he's thin framed in college. And I was like, dude, Mobley went at people like yep. with anger. Like he was not afraid of anyone. So um I think you're getting a really good player with all three of them. I, I just think my last time I watched them, Jabari jumped at me the most, and I felt the best about moving him up because what he's doing from Scoring from multiple levels, the defensive upside he's showing, I was not ready for. He just looks like a guy that has a lot of basketball that's untapped to find. You know, he's got a treasure chest that he's showing, but he still has another one that he's going to find down the road. So that's what I'm thinking. And, yes, I still have Chet Holmgren number one, so everyone can eat it. All of you guys, especially you, Steven, that are still taking Jabari first. I still have – the thin man. I'm calling him the thin man. I'm printing shirts. I don't care what anyone says. Um, I, I call him the Venus flytrap. So I, mean, I cool. do like your nickname better. And you're, that is the best description I've ever heard for a prospect because it's so true when you watch him. He just he knows everyone's going to go at him. And he's just like, yeah, come on in. Yep. Come on. This is and a safe I, place. I, come on in. Yeah, come on in. Your table's yep. right over here. Come on in. We got you the window seat. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, there's a lot of players or excuse me, analysts that are that are in your camp, too, though. You know, there are a lot of Chet truthers out there. And again, he feels the safest. I feel like if you look at everyone's worst possible outcome, I think that Chet looks better than Jabari and looks better than Paulo, believe it or not. Like, I think that he is a safer dude. And you know, I don't want to put it, you know, you guys are part of no ceilings. I don't want to put a ceiling on him, right? But I think the best possible version of the other guys, and Chet might even still be better than Paulo. I think by 3.0, depending on what happens, Chet might actually move up and replace Paulo, right? I just look at Jabari, man, and I just, I get vibes of like a Giannis Antetokounmpo and a Kevin Garnett where it's just like, these guys are going to just, he's just going to work and work and work and fix whatever flaws he has in his game. And he'll give it to you on both sides. And that's why I have him. Number one is that he's, he's already a three and D prospect and he's just, he's got the intangibles that you look for in the leadership qualities. I just players like that. I have, I have a soft spot in my heart for, and I don't bet against players like that, man. I think the the KG, whenever you throw the KG name around, it's always like everyone's ears perk up and they'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa. But if you watch him, there's definitely flashes, like way more than you expect if you watch him carefully. I'm not saying he plays with the mentality that KG has or stuff like that. I'm just saying the floor spacing, the way he moves sometimes, like he has a little bit of an elbow pull-up where it's like one dribble pull-up, stretching the floor like you could see some flashes it's like a more stretched out when it comes to his outside shooting but um okay well that was a fun big board i liked doing that we might have to do that a couple times Um, i'm down man say when what did what did well before let's do this draft taboo but before we do it because i know we we just rambled for a really long time um did you have any guys you struggled with are you still trying to figure out on your big board 
maybe you felt like you should have had him higher than you did. Boy, I do I. There's a couple guys, man, that like I've shared them with you before. I've shared them with other people. I need as much help as I can with them because I see their names pop significantly higher than where I have them. And I want to understand. And I just think, you know, I might need to dive into their film a little bit more because truth be told, I, I can only watch so much film. Um, let's start with one guy, Blake Wesley, um, out of Notre yes. Dame. And I, I just think, I, yeah, go ahead. I want to talk about Wesley because he's a hot name right now. He, he really is, man. So Blake Wesley out of Notre Dame is a six, five powerhouse guard. And I, I have a hard time falling in love with him. I get the idea. Like aesthetically, he looks like a guy, you know what I mean? Like he looks like he's going to be a force of nature, but when I watch this film, the shot in particular is what I struggle with, right? And it, to me, if you're a guard, you got to bring some sort of shot creation to the table. Like, I get the idea of him as a as a playmaker um, and can somewhat fill in as a shooter a little bit. But I don't know. I think at the next level, he's going to be asked to do more than what he's doing for Notre Dame right now as a shooter. I don't think that you're going to be drafting a Blake, Blake Wesley and give him the keys to your offense. And that's what I struggle with, right? Like he's only shooting 34% from three um, on five attempts per game. So it's not like that's on like slim volume or anything like that. So that's there for me. As far as being a physical defender, it, it doesn't really show to me right now either. I have him outside my second round right now because he's one of these guys that I still don't really know what to do with. And I, I know I've shared a couple clips with you. Do you see any relevancy to the the concerns about the shot at all? I, I, I saw when we first talked about him, the shot scared me. Um, I've seen a couple of his latest, like most recent games. It looks better. It just okay. like, I've seen it and I was like, okay, wait, that looks a lot better than I remembered which just means I need to go watch more. Like that's just what it comes down to. Um, because I've seen a couple like catch and shoot where he just really quick, like goes right up with it. You had sent me one before we kind of talked about it and I was like, Whoa, he brings that ball really low. And then yep. he's just been one of these hot names around. I, I, I'm not there yet. I, I, I like what he's done. I feel like this is the part of draft season where everyone tries to find a guy to throw darts at like look this is going to be the guy that gets in the lottery and it's like let's calm down let's give him a couple more weeks he looks really solid i like the way he plays the game he looks like he could pass like he's got yeah. really nice vision and feel it's just one of those two like you gotta that's one you have to watch more in depth because you have to figure out what is this what is his role Mm -hmm. Is he a solid guard that does a little bit of everything at college? Like, what is he going to do at the next level? Because that's what you're, it's like what you're saying. Like, I kind of have him as one of those guys. We're going to have our top 30. He's knocking at the door, but I don't know if I'm letting him in yet. Like, he's, he's, I have his name circled. Like, I need to watch him more carefully, but I know some people have had him like in their late teens. It's just, I'm not yeah. there yet. So I, I, I hear you. I didn't have him at all on my Wandato, and now yeah. he's just like right outside the second. So, and just to kind of give people a little bit of background of how I place guys sometimes, not quite sure what to do with them yet, but based on what I've seen, he's he's showing that he's going to be at least a second round talent for me. So, 
that's kind of where I'm living at with him right now. The next guy I wanted to ask you about, Tyler, was Aminu Muhammad out of Georgetown. Yeah, that's and a popular name too. He's 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 funky to me, right? And I love the hustle, I love the effort and the energy. Here lately, his shot has come around. So since my big board placement of where I was going to put guys, he's turning it around. I understand why people are high on him. You know, six five guard out of Georgetown gives you almost three offensive rebounds a game. That's insane. Um, again, I have him right outside the second because I'm not quite sure what to do with the guy. Um, he's very funky, and Georgetown really isn't the easiest place to play. So I was kind of curious to see what your thoughts on on Muhammad were because I like I said these are just players I need help on man. He uh, he sort of intrigues me, and I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out a better way to describe this, but it's almost like a guy that usually this is a bad thing, and for some reason with him it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. But it's almost like he's trying to make basketball moves with his mind before his body catches up. But okay. Like that's what you're the funkiness you're talking about. Like I, he makes some plays where his body moves all over the place and he like hits a bucket and I'm like, that looked so weird. And I watched like a couple more and I'm like, it looks like he's almost getting like electrocuted before he like starts to move. It's just crazy. But he also looks like he understands where he's supposed to go with the ball or what he's supposed to do on the court, which is more intriguing that he's making that shot off of like such tough looks. So I definitely was like, okay, I'm actually kind of intrigued at that. He looks like he could be kind of one of these, you know, tool shed type of players that can maybe yep. just do a little bit of everything or help out. Um, Cause like, the shot didn't scare me too much. And then I saw him shooting from the line. Everything looked solid and smooth. I was like, okay, like this might just be someone that needs time. He just might yep. need to keep working on his craft. So I was definitely like, I understand all the excitement with, you know, evaluators or draft Twitter talking about Aminu. I mean, he looked like a fun guy to keep an eye on. He's only six five, really? That's what he's listed as. He he has a heart of a lion, though, dude. He like looks he, big. I thought he was like huge. six seven. I the the funny thing is the moment I turned the tape on, I was like, "Is this Jeff Green? Like he looks just <laughs> like Jeff Green running around." And where <laughs> like, did Jeff Green? Green? And where did Jeff Green play? Exactly. Right. Right. Um. All right. Last well, let's guy, do- last guy okay. I had for you. Okay. Um, this guy is getting a lot of buzz as of late, and it's I understand why he just recorded a triple double in college basketball with blocks. So he's he's buzzing around. Oh. We, he he made my second round, but Walker Kessler out of Auburn. Walker man. Texas Kessler. Um, Walker Texas Kessler. So I, here's my thing with Walker. I think there's always going to be a big man because teams are always NBA teams are always going to be intrigued by those guys, mm-hmm. um, especially like teams that need depth with their bigs at the end of the first. Like they're always going to be like, who's the flavor of the month that we like and. Walker's just kept producing. He's putting up good numbers alongside Jabari. I don't think it's just because of Jabari. I think he's doing a lot of damage himself. Cause like I watched some Jabari film and I'm like, whoa, Walker, calm down. Like he just <laughs> weak side blocks out of nowhere. That triple double was an eye opener. Um, I definitely think he could end up going in the first. I, I think that's a guy that we always have these bigs that are like, oh, he's probably an early second, and then it takes one team to fall in love with them, and they're like, nope, we're taking him at 28. Like, we're not going to get a chance at him later. We love him too much. 
that's our early rotation big. Like I definitely, I, I could see it. Um, because like Dayron Sharp last year was one of those guys mm -hmm. I had kind of as the early second rounder. I had him as going a first. early twenties is where I had. Sharp. Yeah. So I, I think there's that wide range where it, all it takes is one team to, you know, be fond of the guy and they might take him early. So what are you thinking of him? Do you like him so far? I mean, the triple double looked nice. You yeah, know, it was I mean? nice. Like, <laughs> it was a nice night. It was. It was. He looked really good in that game. It's just that you get into the point to where it's like, all right, out of the centers, do you like Jalen Duran? Do you like Mark Williams? Do you like Coloco? Which I know that you do. Do you like Kamagate? And now you're throwing Kessler in that mix. It's like, okay, there's a, starting to become like a really you know hodgepodge group of these big guys. And it really just depends on what you look for in your system from from a center, right? I mean, all these guys need to have anchoring abilities, which Kessler looks like he has. I'm just curious, man, because there wasn't a lot of buzz around him as a first-round guy until he had the triple-double. And now everyone's... Well, I know a couple people, like we talked about Nathan Grubel, like he, he started buzzing around him before that game as a potential first-round guy. And he's worked his way up into the middle of my second a large part of it because of that game. And now I'm looking at him through a different lens now. And again, trying to learn and gather information and other people's thought processes. It helps me as an analyst. So one of the guys I wanted to bring up. No, I, I, I'll be quick on it, but I think early, early season expectations with prospects and stuff. I think a lot of people try to feel out like what's the position going to offer Mm -hmm. I think the big class is a little disappointing because we thought Yannick was gonna Yannick Soso was gonna be this top notch prospect. That's not happening. I like Kamigate a lot. Um, I love Kamigate. I think some teams are gonna be kind of lukewarm on him. I like Coloco a lot. I think mm -hmm. the same thing could happen. So I think there's going to be a late run of some intrigue with like, there's room for a big decline and maybe yeah. that could be Walker Kessler. We'll see. But I, I do think like the bigs, once you get past, it's going to be an interesting conversation because are you thinking Jalen Duren's that good? Or are you saying we're going to wait later and potentially try to get value with a big later on, like Mark Williams or something like that. So yeah, if you're Houston or Memphis and you got multiple bites at the apple, you know, do you use one of those last bites for, for a big man, you know? Right, right. Um, okay. Let's do this taboo thing, and this is going to be a great way to end the, end the show because we've been talking forever. I don't want to go too crazy. But you got this idea, and I, I want you to explain it on the air, and I'm going to try to be a beautiful mind and run with <laughs> it because I love, you know, chaos and anarchy. So... What what is this plan? You just want to kind of talk about like plan or things that scare people when it comes to like the draft. That's exactly it, man. Okay. Because one of the one of the things I love about what we do, Tyler, is that when you you start working with other people, you can either piece it together yourself, or when you interview people or host them on your show, you have you know draft philosophy discussions, and right. you start getting into where people's mind go, right and you, you, everyone will tell you that, like, oh, well, I'm going to draft the guy that I think is, you know, the better player. Well, what is your assessment of that better player? You start peeling the onion back a little bit 
you start getting into a little bit of bias and everyone has and and bias you know that's a, a buzzword it's a trigger word whatever like i don't mean that in a bad way it's just what what basketball player do you think is most important on a team right and so you start getting in these taboos and a couple of these guys that i have in my lottery kind of go against the grain a little bit it's not i'm trying to be like trendy or, or hip or anything it's just the way that you know if you're asking me how i look at the game i think sometimes you can't just have a definitive well i don't do this it because sometimes you're going to be wrong and sometimes you're going to be wrong in a big way and one of these biases that i had we touched on it earlier was kennedy chandler you know you you start getting into these well you never draft a short guard short guards don't do anything in the nba well if you start looking at like how Chandler is built and how some of the best point guards in the NBA are built, they look pretty similar. I mean, you got Chris Paul, you, you got Trey Young. You, we you talked about Kemba Walker, you know, Dennis Schroeder's around that height range. And I had this conversation with people on Twitter. I even asked and they're like, well, some of the players that you talked about are six one. I'm like, okay, if we're going to split hairs, like if that inch is going to make all the difference in whether or not you're going to draft a guy, a guy like Kennedy Chandler is, probably going to make you look a little silly maybe i don't know it's it's the possibility is there but when i look at him we talked about him earlier how dynamic of a defender he is and i think that that's under discussed if you come into a draft with a preconceived notion that you don't take a guy in the lottery just because he's six foot not six one i think that a guy like kennedy chandler can mess you up a little bit yeah i i think we hinted on it earlier i'm a big believer of like yeah you should I think people get fired when they focus on measurables too much. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm talking about GMs, front office guys. Like, it's a, it's important to to take note of it. But at the end of the day, you got to figure out: Can the guy play basketball? Can, is this an NBA player? Um, is this guy gonna be able to help our team? Then you can start focusing on everything else. Like, if you have two guys that you love and you see them as similar prospects and one guy is a plus five wingspan and one guy doesn't. Yeah. Then you probably are going to be more intrigued with the guy that potentially could, you know, be more of a disruptive force. But I just like what I've seen from Kennedy Chandler. And I, I'm just one of those guys that like, I I don't really, I don't really care if you're undersized, if you can play basketball the right way, if your size, you know, now if your size causes problems in a negative way and they are often yeah absolutely i get that it it, it makes sense and i'm not saying chandler's always you know i would love if kenny chandler was six three with the six six wingspan that would be fantastic he'd be a top seven pick for me but i just like how he understands his limitations he plays the game with pace um and I'm just one of those people that like the size thing always bugs me because yes, for everyone that's knocking Kennedy Chandler, they're probably also terrified about Chet Holmgren and his weight. And it's like Chet's also understands how to play with the fact that his frame isn't Jalen Duran. So, or they're not on the flip side of that, Tyler, or they're not concerned about Chet. And then they have to kind of look at themselves a little bit and say like, well, why am I this way with the different right. position? You know what I mean? So it's just weird little nuances and people's thought processes that I pay particular attention to. And I don't know, to me, man, Chandler is at least a lottery talent and I don't care that he's six foot dude 
can table set and dude can play defense, and he's a 37% three-point shooter too. So, one, and I'll 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 do one too because you sent me a couple. I think mm-hmm. that was a good one. I don't. I feel like we could kind of almost bring this back to being like a a theme throughout the entire year. But the one I feel most passionate about is the upperclassman taboo, which is just everyone's scared of drafting the guy that's the older age. I've been one of these people that I just want to go to war for upperclassmen because I actually think it's, you hinted on it earlier. Like I think it's a positive when you go back to school, Mm -hmm. when you are basically admitting to yourself, like I can get better as a basketball player. If I just develop on my game, if I just go back for some more time and, and work on my game, I can be a better NBA player. Like, I think that takes more than just being like, I'm going to go to college for one year and get out. Like, because we're going to see some guys in this draft class that I could already feel like they need to go back for another year. Um, Last year, Chris Duarte was one of my favorite guys, like, watching, because I was just like, this dude's just going to help someone in a big way. And everyone's like, he's 24. He's going to be the oldest rookie that's been drafted (laughs) in the first round. And I'm like, who cares? He's going to be good and help. Your team's yep. going to take the step forward. Um, like Wendell Moore is giving me that vibe this year. He kept returning to college. He looks sensational now. It looks like everything's coming together. His confidence. Um, I've, I He's been a guy I keep moving up into my top 30. Like, I think he's trending the right way. Um, I just, I, I'm a big believer. You go back a couple of years there's really good value at the end of the first round. I think the smart teams start taking those guys. The playoff yep. teams start taking those guys when they like, okay, you want to slip let these guys slip down the board? We're going to take those guys. We're going to take the the Desmond Baines. We're going to take all these guys that you just let them fall under our lap. So, that's my that's my vent for the day. So, go ahead, Steven, if you got anything else. Well, I just a couple points that you yeah. that you have for that. You know, it's a few things is that one, what does this draft class get criticized for? It's not as good as the one before and it's not right. as good as what the next one should be. And I think that people, when they look at, you know, guys coming back or whatever, they look at it from a, how can I get the best value possible for you? You can get the best value possible from a Jaden Ivy. If you take him before he blows up for an entire season, right. the year before in a more crowded draft class where he's a late first, early second round pick, as opposed to, a, a top five, top seven pick in this year's draft class, right? So I think people look at it like that too. And I feel safer as an analyst. And, you know, if I were to be a GM or anything like that, if I have trend analysis, if I can say, okay, that this guy, like Malcolm Caslon, a guy that I know that both both of us really like playing out of Mega Basket, he's, we've, we have trend analysis from him internationally because we've seen every year he just gets better and better. Well, that's what you get from these upperclassmen. You say, wow, this guy was really good, like had a good jump from freshman to sophomore and sophomore to junior. And maybe even as a senior like Ochai Abaji, he's had a really heck of a a good senior year. So I'm with you, man. There's a lot of good points that you can make about the whole I don't ever draft a upperclassman at this range. Yeah, and I think you're – what you said is my favorite thing is – if you go back and take steps forward, that is the biggest part. If you go mm-hmm. back and you're staying kind of at the same pace or you're barely, then all of a sudden it's going to be like, okay, well, maybe there's not another level to his game. Maybe that's where teams should get scared. But 
if you've gone back and you've gotten better every year when it comes to shooting percentages, field goal percentage, outside shooting, your free throw. Decision like, making, right? Yeah, your your assists, your turnovers went down, you're, you're scoring more each year. Like that's what I think is just oh, – it drives me crazy because I'm like that's what you should want. That's what you Still should safer. draft. Yes. The every I think a lot of teams swing for the fences when sometimes you need to sit try to get a single or a double. Well, potential, so, it doesn't always work out in everyone's area. There's right. a reason it's called potential is because it might work. Yes. Potential is a scary, scary word. So um, do you got you got anything else or should I just end it? Um, I got one more if you don't mind. And it's, no, yeah, yeah, go ahead. It's Jalen Duran. Um, okay. You know, I, you, you get run into this crowd as where, well, there's always centers available in free agency that you can just sign for whatever magical number. Or, you know, a second round big man always works out. That's not always true. And drafting a traditional big man like a Jalen Duran in the lottery, you know, how did Bam Adebayo look? I mean, there's there's comparisons that you can make throughout history. But again, if you have this mantra that big men are always available, well, the best teams in the NBA have really good big men, right? And some of them are taken higher than others. And I just feel like if if you don't take a Jalen Duran solely because it's your philosophy that He's a big man. I'll just grab one later. You have the potential to miss out. Now, if you grade him out and say, now, if you say that and you're like, but he is a really good finisher and he's a really good rebounder. He's a good defender and he can, and he can pass too. But because he's a big, I'm going to pass on him. I mean, that that's just kind of silly to me. So that was just one last one that I had for the taboo discussion. No, I, I, I yeah, I, I agree with you there. My thing with Duran is I just get nervous. I've talked with Tyler Metcalf on the No Ceilings pod about this. I just get nervous with taking the athletic bigs too high when you haven't seen a lot of the other tools come around. And Duran's a different story because he's technically supposed to be a year younger. I mean, mm-hmm. there's just, that's the word potential you're chasing. Like he's got a lot of potential, but it's like you're saying, it, do you wait and take? Mark Williams or Christian Coloco later. And if you had two picks, like which way do you go? Like, how do you feel better? And I don't know. I, I because you need to be able to do something more than just shot block and rebound. You need or be a lob threat because they could go find those guys. You need to bring something else to the table because every year there's going to be those, same skill set bigs that can replace you, or they might do something a little bit bigger, like better. So I think it's really important for Duran. He's got to continue to develop the rest of his game because, you know, yeah, there's the DeAndre Jordans that go later and they develop and they're defense player of the year type of bigs where they're absolutely fantastic. But Jordan can still pass. Like he could do some other stuff. You just have mm-hmm. to showcase some more. And I still think there's time for Duran to become that. But I, I, I'm, I'm guilty. I, I get a little nervous with the bigs, with you know taking them super early. And that's fine. Again, it, it works out a lot, you know, because I think the big men they get a bad rap of, you know, that they're the most replaceable position. But I think that they exist when other positions, like a, a shooting guard, is essentially a small forward or a point guard. Now, a power forward is essentially a, a, just a, a bigger three. You know, they don't have that traditional skill set where. They, the center position is still alive and well. It's just adapted to some aspect or it's kind of run by committee now. And it's still a prominent position. And I think that there can be some value given. 
when you have a unique guy like, in my opinion, Durin, who also flashes really good playmaking ability in a system that's not really set up to succeed well like Memphis's offense. Right, right. Steven, I'm going to have to do it. I, I, I got to end this. We've been talking for over an hour and a half. Fair um, enough. If we don't stop now, you know, people are going to start to wonder if we are ever going <laughs> to escape this podcast. But no, this was an absolute blast. I want to have you on way more often. I was pumped to get this on. Um, thank you for coming on. Please, one more plug, shameless plug. You got to tell everybody about your big board, your work, your podcast, everything, because you're all over the place right now. You're You're grinding your ass off. Well, I appreciate that again, man. Like not just lip service. I'm going to tell you this when we sign off from the pod. I really do appreciate you having me on. Yes. It's an honor and a pleasure. You're one of the best in the business right now. So it's cool that you even want to talk shop with me. A um, couple things I have in the works. I'm going to have your boy Metcalf on Draft Capital here soon. We're going to be talking about a lot of people's favorite players. We're going to be talking about Alex Fudge, Tori Eason, Jeremy Sohan, and your boy Kendall Brown. We're going to get into all those funky forwards, man. It's going to be a really good show. And then on the 4th, I am going to be going on a road trip up to South Carolina to scout Jabari Smith. So I'm excited about that. Going to be scouting that Auburn game. If you want to hear more about that, Draft Capital, you want to see post clips and stuff like that on Twitter at Stephen G Hoops. Um, Again, Draft Capital. I'm also with Off the Ball Network, which is where my co-host and I reside as far as writing and things like that. So go to offtheballnetwork.com for all your sports needs. We also have a sub stack now for off the ball network and we have every sport that you want. We have it. So, you know, not just college hoops where we got a few people that contribute there, but football, college football, you know, hockey, all that fun stuff. It's there. Yes. Please go follow Steven. Like I said, he's all over the place. He's an animal. Exciting for the draft stuff coming up. If you guys aren't following those ceilings, go check out that. You're messed up. No if ceilings. you're not, I'm just going to. Yeah. Put that out there. So, so you don't have to say it. I'll say it. No ceilings is where it's at. It's a cool place, man. No. So you can follow that. No ceilings NBA on all social media accounts for myself, Tyler Rucker. I was joined by Steven Gillespie. Thank you for joining us and we will see you guys soon. Take care.